Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep. Into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another frightening episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Man, my name is Stefan Gearhart, and I am your host for the evening. And I am joined by the very astute and very frighteningly wonderful co host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you today? Why, thank you. I am doing spectacular. I, I was thinking you were going to go with wondrous, but I'll take Mm-mm. wonderful. No, I'll you're wonderful. wonderful. You make me dance on air <laughs> like like cloud nine. Like dancing on the ceiling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lionel Richie all the way. That's exactly how you make me feel. That's why I'm glad to be here week after week with you, sir. Why, thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. No, thank you. No, no, no. No, no, no. Thank you. All right. I'll take it. You're welcome. Uh, No, we have a really cool show, man. This is a little different than what we normally do. Uh, We have something very, very interesting. We reached out to a friend of a friend uh, who had a very impressive Sasquatch sighting. Um, But the story goes on from there. We have a man that did the investigation following that sighting. So uh, tonight we're going to be interviewing uh, during our topic time, uh, Joe Perdue, um, who is just a really cool dude. And he is from wild and uh, weird West Virginia. Uh, he, He does the investigating there where they were able to find footprints. Um, and take casts of them, all sorts of really interesting stuff to the point where uh, Joe just is even got us completely convinced. And he, he seems, even though he's an investigator, seems pretty, pretty skeptical. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be it's just going to be a really good show. It is. So stick around for that. Uh, but we're going to move right along because I'm, I'm ready for you guys to hear this interview. Uh, but we, we got to do what we normally do. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So we're going to move straight into the psychic word of the week. And now, the 
psychic world of the week. All right, this psychic word or words of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary written by June Bletzer, rest in peace. Uh, and as usual, we uh, crack it open and see what we found and very... Uh, I don't know, perfectly. Uh, the, the phrase that we get this week is monster activity. So here's what monster activity says. Monster activity is a study of large creatures, half man and half animal, appearing in many parts of the earth, sharing similar characteristics and behavioral patterns. Uh, one, they are unable to be captured. Two, difficult to physically see. Three, give evidence to their life and presence by being destructive to animals, humans, property, and environment. Four, prefer to work at night. Five, make hideous and shrieking noises. Six, appear more frequently after a UFO sighting and a lot of times in the same area. Seven, capable of shifting dimensions. Eight, inhabit woods, water, and plains. Nine, here are some theories. A, belong to a giant nature spirit kingdom. B, a throwback from another culture or ancient times. I just want to be clear in case anybody might be flying. I think they mean planes as in like the wide open prairie, yeah. not like yeah, yeah, airplanes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not talking math either. Like I'm talking. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, what snakes on the plane. It's not, it's not Sasquatch on the plane. No, it's not Sasquatch. So. He, he's got, he's, he's going to be in first class anyways. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be, he's up there with Shaq because they're both right. long legged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, very interesting. The monster activity. And it's interesting because here we've talked about this book was written back in like 86 or 85 or something like that. And just the theories that we have come up with on our own, uh, we're just in that definition, right? It just blows my mind. Like those yeah, are things that we, on our own, without researching, kind of came to the conclusion of, and yet everything we're reading, and everything we're coming it. across fits those theories, and and yeah. that to me tells me that's a universal theory. It it, it has a little more credence to it in in, in my res- right. in, in in my my thoughts, right? Yep. If if I if I am in a, in a vacuum, let's say, because I because I've really just started looking into a lot of this stuff since mm-hmm. starting the show, and so let's say that I'm in a vacuum, and I barely touch the surface of whatever, and I am looking into things, and I come up with my own theories and ideas, and then we find, pre you know, books and and mm-hmm. documentaries and whatever that predate me then I think that kind of says that my ideas, number one, are not original, but number two, <laughs> that they're, um, that they're, they're already founded in, in, you know, somebody else has already uh, had those same conclusions. So yeah, I think for a it, long time. And that, and that yeah. to me is putting that that's putting right there. Those are those moments where I'm like, man, because yeah, I mean, uh, my, my interest in the paranormal has always aligned with haunted things and the occult. Since I've been on the show, it has moved over to cryptozoology and UFO uh, alien encounters and things like that, ultra terrestrials. <clears throat> and of course, now finding they're all kind of mixed together yeah. in, in, in a, a sack of chicken there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still like a chowder. Yeah. It's a so, chowder. But, I mean, like you, I was still very much in a vacuum in terms of uh, you know, cryptozoology and cryptids and things like that. So very, very, very interesting. 
Indeed. Crazy, crazy. Indubitably. But what's even crazier are the two stories I have for you this week for spooky news. So we're going to move right into some spooky news. All right. So the first one I have is actually kind of cool. Um, and I'm kind of like, why don't we have this? And I'm like, hey, Tori Smith, Paranormal Help Desk, you need to get on this game level right here. Uh, so this comes from happymag.tv. Again, I don't know. That's a weird name, but it was also on a number of other news sites. Uh, but the headline reads, India's first paranormal hotline is live and it is receiving a lot of calls. So this says, dim the lights and cue the track because India has just landed its first ever paranormal hotline. Founded by author Jay Alani, the real-life Ghostbuster reportedly received 8 to 10 calls per day detailing close encounters with ghosts, spirits, black magic, or anything related to the paranormal world. As casual as this seems, the real highlight of this story is the hotline's founder. As a self-proclaimed paranormal boy, Alani has made a fine following for himself over the decades-long career in paranormal investigation, uh, even landing a few TED Talks. Uh, The main motive behind this paranormal helpline number is to provide scientific solutions to those who are encountering any unusual incidents or have any questions about the paranormal world. This is what Alani said to the Hindustan Times. He says, in most of the cases I have found that person who claims to experience any such unusual incident has been watching horror movies uh, during this lockdown period. After questioning them about their daily routine, family history, and past trauma, I and my team of psychologists found that many of them, but not all, actually create a fictional ghost in their mind. It's really interesting stuff. Uh, he, Alani is a full-time uh, ghost hunter. He's investigated over 100 haunted locations, uh, has 150 cases of paranormal activity during his career. He's released books, podcast speeches, the whole nine yards. He's the founder of the Paranormal Company and host of Dark Destinations on India's Dish TV. Um, I mean, this dude is, is everywhere, and it's really, really cool to imagine that he's doing something like that. And that's why I said, Tori, this is something you need because you're basically doing the 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 social media version of that right that's that's what i'm saying <clears throat> and, 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 and when it's funny when you said the real life ghostbuster it because when you talk about the hotline it made me think about the commercial that they did in ghostbusters oh, yeah. and even on here they've got the video for who you gonna call yeah <laughs> no busters you know like, so yeah leave it come on now uh the other <laughs> spooky news story i've got for you just this i mean it's sad but it cracks me up too and this this hits covid and it hits uh everything else so this comes from variety uh and the headline reads bolivian orchestra stranded in a haunted german castle are now surrounded by wolves during the pandemic (laughs) this is like Man, you need to you need to say that the way your sister says it. Yeah, woofs, <laughs> woofs. Uh, I'm gonna say it again. Bolivian orchestra stranded in haunted German castle, surrounded by woofs 
during the pandemic. You're welcome, <laughs> Tricia. Uh, so this says a Bolivian orchestra group has been stranded in a German castle for 73 days after the countries closed their borders during the coronavirus pandemic. The musicians, some of whom are as young as 17 years old, arrived in Germany for a spring concert tour just as the crisis was beginning. However, their concerts were soon called off as Germany imposed a social gathering ban and their flight back to Bolivia was canceled due to the country closing its borders. Since then, the group has been staying safe at Rheinsberg Palace, a 600-year-old castle located an hour and a half northwest of Berlin. Uh... Our bus, our, excuse me, our bus broke down on the motorway. I remember joking that this was bad luck and perhaps our concerts would be canceled, but never did I think it would actually happen, said one member named Carlos. The ancient estate was home to German royalty dating back to the 1500s, including Frederick the Great, the Great who the Great, the, man, this is a lot, I'm, I'm not even hitting the German words yet. Uh, <laughs> This includes Frederick the Great, who the group jokes is haunting the castle halls. We all joke that Frederick's ghost is following us and trying to trip us up. I don't usually believe in such things, but it does feel as if there are ghosts on the ground, said Kamid Martella, a 20-year-old member of the orchestra. Now, here's where it gets crazy. So the castle grounds and surrounded woodland are also home to more than a dozen packs of wolves. And one member named Tracy Prado said she saw three wolves simply while out on a walk. She saw three wolves. Wolves. Uh, she says, I froze in fear, but they were just play fighting and moved on. The nearby town of Rheinsberg has been mostly welcoming to the musicians who socially distance themselves and remain at the castle grounds. The group stays on the estate. It has a kitchen and they get food dropped off to them. Uh, but yeah, they're scared to death. You know, pe you know, uh, Carlos says people think we're living in a fairy tale land, but I'm telling you, I'm scared of ghosts and wolves. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like we're, we're like one step away from learning that the wolves are actually other musicians at the castle that and then turned. it'll just and then it'll just be a cw show you know it, oh man yeah i would watch that <laughs> but yeah that's what it is and then at like on during the day they just play music in the forest and then at night they eat people like right exactly you know yeah. and there's like a there's like a heartthrob and yeah it's like guar it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, that's what I got for spooky news. Two very interesting, cool stories. Nothing like crazy, crazy. I mean, they seem to be safe. No one's got attacked by the wolves. They just see them all the time. And, you know, the castle is known to be haunted, um, you know, especially if they're playing classical stuff. That's probably like, oh, Frederick's like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember when Bach was here. I remember that. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Bach's one of the wolves now. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It, it's part of the wolf Bach. <laughs> You're welcome. Welcome. Oh my goodness. And on that, we're going to move into the UFO sighting of the week. All right, Josh, what do we got for the UFO sighting of the week? All right. So this was, uh, this was published on, um, or sorry, reported, if you will, on Thursday, May 28th of this year. However, the, the sighting takes place in the 80s. I was stationed on the Yellowstone in the early 80s. The ship had three cranes, two traveling 120-ton cranes, and one centerline 220-ton crane. I was the main operator. I spent... 
85% of my time on deck. Did not like it too much below deck. I saw the report of the lights in the water recently, and I know the SEALs had active operations practice on the ship. I think those were the lights. I was present when they came aboard. They came aboard, no one saw them. They made it to the bridge and secured the captain. The object I witnessed was an air contact. One night I had mid-watch, which is 1200 to 0400 hours. We were headed for Puerto Rico. I was positioned on the forward starboard side of the ship. After standing watch for a while, seems like there may have been some time loss. It was just there. Can't remember how it got there. I reported an air contact 35 degrees altitude and approximately 25 miles distance. It was a bright white ball, a little larger than a golf ball at 25 miles. The reply on my headset was, good job, it's exactly 25 miles. At that time, I replied, what the hell is it? The response from the bridge was, shut your effing mouth and keep it effing shut. And I never brought it up again. And I don't recall several hours after that. Now, let's rewind two to three weeks. I was below deck and was approached by a second class petty officer. He asked me if I would be interested in becoming RADCON qualified. I was perplexed because the ship ran on diesel engines, but said, what the hell, sure. He brought me some really simple tests. I took a few and passed them. Shortly after that, the petty officer showed me the reactor below deck. There was a reactor on that ship. Never saw anything like it. It was lit up in about the size of a small compact car, just sitting there, glowing white, and there was red. I stopped taking the test and never heard from that petty officer again, or never saw him again. I never really put it together until recently that the reactor possibly had something to do with the object I saw. Frankly, I was 18 years old and really didn't give two craps. Either way, it seems like the same old crap. No witnesses, no evidence, nothing. Don't get me wrong, I'm very interested in the organization, but it seems like we're fighting a losable battle. Man, so two things stand out to me. One, the fact that here we are almost 40 years later, and he's like, I got to say something. I got to tell somebody. I can't shake this. I've been thinking about it for 40 years and I can't stop thinking about this. And the other one is, God, he's so right. You know, it's like, it sucks, you know, that we are, we're fighting this losing battle when we've had more witnesses to UFOs than we have Jesus Christ. Yet that religion is considered as fact, right? Yep. You know what's interesting? I, I think about this with what you just said with you know the the witnesses. You think about the um, there's a there's a, like a speech that Morpheus does in one of the Matrix movies. I can't. I think it might have been the last one. But you know, he's talking about you know we have we have freed more minds you know in the last year 
than we had freed ever since we were, you know, Scion had started or whatever. And he's like making this speech that, you know, now is the time like that something needs to happen. And so I'm just thinking, you know, you said, you know, sightings have increased. Uh, people publicly sharing their sightings have increased. You, you could you could think of that as a freeing of the mind, if you will. And so, you know, we've talked about it before. I, I really do feel like we're on the verge, like we're on the cr- the cusp of, of something significant being, you know, released or told or happening. Something. Uh, I mean, even Andrea Perrin is, is taking that on a new age approach and thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, I absolutely believe we're, we in the truth of the matter is if we all came together, I bet you our numbers would out, outweigh any religion in the world. Like if everyone that had a sighting said, hey, look, I had a sighting and we tallied those numbers all around the world, I would be willing to bet it would be bigger than most religions. Well, and I, and I would, you know, we, we had when we had Mary on, you know, she she said she's a Christian, but she believes in aliens. So, I mean, I wonder how many people uh, adhere to a religion yet right. still have. Oh, had yeah, sightings, they would still you know? count into right. that for me. Right. Yeah, I'm just talking anyway. They don't have to be atheists. They, they're just. Yeah. I just, I just, I bet you, and that, but it's, it's just that thing that people are afraid to come together and, and, you know, say, oh, well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that, it's that same thing. I mean, we see it with what's going right. on with protests and, you know, a lot of people that were afraid to stand up for somebody because they were afraid that their higher ups would be mad at them for protecting a black person. Right. And this right. happens, has happened throughout the centuries here in America. Uh, the paranormal is, is, is similar in a lot of ways where people are afraid that they will be ridiculed. That's why most of the times when you see a UFO post or you see someone posting about hauntings or things like that, their, their first words are, I know I'm going to be ridiculed for this. Yeah. Even John, who we're going to have on today, he says that in his story. I yep. know I'm going to be ridiculed for this, but I don't care anymore. Yep. Well, and you know what's, what's really... Uh, Sad and and, uh, and 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 bad about the, the this kind of this stuff is that um, you know so when I'm looking through trying to find what our UFO sighting of the week is going to be, um, I, I've got to be honest. I immediately dismiss anything that could be considered as Starlink. Yeah. Well, um, you know, not not that I not that I think that it is Starlink. Just that I, I want to make sure that whoever might be listening to it can't just you know can't right. just immediately say it's oh it's just Starlink it's and Starlink. It, we have to do that that's what's sad that's what's sad is that we have to do that and and on the other side not sad too because it it, it is good for paranormal uh, investigators to be skeptical we need right. to be because we can't just believe everything but we can't also sorry Keith but we can't also say every cryptid is an owl either you know it's like we <laughs> we have right. there has to be. We have to listen to people. Not everyone's crazy. And not yeah. and the thing that we're learning, especially through things like MK Ultra and remote viewers and things like that, is that the mind is is more powerful than the average man has. Especially there are some people that have gifts. And I, you know, knowing my sister and myself and, and other people, I believe those things. And we may be able to tap into things that an average person may not be able to see. We may be able to see dimensional shifts. We may be able to see things and maybe not everybody. And maybe it's a thing, like I said, once you see something paranormal, it's like yeah. a switch turns on and you can't turn it off. Well, maybe it, that's all it takes. 
Well, like Vashti said, when, when she was on, you know, everybody has it. Just not everybody is willing to accept it or open themselves to the possibility of it. Right. And it may be like that whole thing. The only reason we're dying is because we're told we're supposed to die. Who knows? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. It's all crazy. I don't know either. It it's is. all creepy. Uh, segue. Um, <laughs> it is creepy. And I want to talk about the creepiness that happened to us this past weekend on this week's Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. So, holy moly. You're tuning in yeah. for the first time. Creepy Ketchup is where we talk about the things that have happened to us in the past week. If anything, paranormal, related, haunted, aliens, UFO sightings, anything of the, uh, you know, of the like. Um, nothing very paranormal in terms of haunting has happened to me this week. Um, you know, st- just occasional brushes, things that I can brush off. Um, <laughs> but... We had some interesting experiences uh, at your house on Saturday to the point where we were supposed to record an unhinged episode, but got so caught up in all of this yeah. that we didn't. We didn't. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, you know, we had we had a nice little fire going um, and uh, just kind of sitting out there and uh, watching the you know, it was it was a perfect night Saturday night. There was beautiful, like, not beautiful. a cloud in the sky. So you just just see all kinds of stars and um and I think so. I think the the first you know, we we saw a couple little things moving really high up, like really high up. And I mean, yeah, that we could just write off the, as the like, space station or even dragon. I don't know. Or, yeah, <laughs> satellites or you know, but something. I mean, it's just you know. But then a little like lower in the horizon, uh, moving from like uh, south. I'm trying to get my my directions here, so like from like southeast to to like northeast moving in that kind of direction at about maybe 15 or 20 degrees above the horizon um was a uh was a a bright light that would uh blink but only after you had hit it with like your green laser pointer in it and before anybody says anything it wasn't an airplane we no. weren't you know, we're not going to get hit by the FAA. No, we would never um, do that. Um, but yeah, I definitely have a high powered green laser that looks like a lightsaber. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we saw it and I would, I didn't even have to, I mean, obviously I can't hit it. It's too small, but it's like, I would hit near it and then it would blink. And, it, and there was no even blinking here. It wasn't like, I was like, Oh, five. Uh, it was, yeah, there was, it was random. There was no determined interval. It was, it would only, blink in response to uh, Stefan kind of beaming the the green pointer close to where it was and you're right I mean it was it was it was pretty far away so there was there was no way we could I mean maybe if we had like some kind of a tripod set up or something we might be able to target it but when you're holding a pointer and your yeah, hand shaking no. you know and it's, you know before anybody says it's a lightning bug a lightning bug does not stay on and then blink brighter like it, it it was a light that we saw consistently like occasionally we would lose sight and then i would blink or i would shoot towards the area it would blink and we would find it again and see it my uh my my best description the this is what this is what i thought of when i saw it was you know how like a lighthouse or the light at the airport how it like circles around 
and then it like flashes bright and then it circles around and then it flashes bright. That's what it kind of seemed like. It was like it would be this bright, intense flash and then it would fade out and then it would be this bright, intense flash. And then, but there was no interval. It wasn't. Yeah, there was no interval. No, it was uneven and, like a mofo. Sometimes and there's it no, happened twice in a row. Boom, boom. Like. You know, in the area that we were looking at, there's no airport or any of that kind of stuff. Just before anybody says that. So, so, so I mean, it was not it was not explainable. And so because it's not explainable, it's unidentified. And because it's unidentified, it makes it an unidentified flying object, therefore a UFO. Right. And to me, it fits more of the unidentified aerial phenomenon to me. Yeah. Um, especially when it coincided with the flashes that I make, which is a pretty common thing to happen, people will say, in UFO sightings. They can flash their flashlights or laser pointers at them, and they'll flash back. Yeah. Um, that is indeed what happened. It went behind the tree. Uh, and then we saw it out on the other side sometime later, uh, and then it it ducked into the horizon. It was gone. Yeah. So, and then I think, um, and, and wanted- I will say this too. I don't mean to stop you, but it's like it also felt it was at different speeds as well. It did not seem like it was at a consistent speed. No, it definitely. Uh, when it when we first saw it, it was moving fairly fairly quickly, and then after we started kind of playing with it, if you will, it still continued on its path it's you know its course but but then it you know kind of seemed like it it uh, hung around it slowed down to hang yeah. around and play a little bit so exactly um and then so you want to tell the second one that, you know that, that was kind of behind us and you just happened mm-hmm. to look back there so I was this during the SS method or after it had to be after because neither of us were on headphones yeah, no, it was it was definitely after, and it was like we just happened, like happened to stand yeah, up. Yeah, I just I felt this weird. We'll talk about the Estes sessions that yeah. we took as well, but yeah. I felt this weird impulse to just kind of look up, and I look up, and I'm leaning back because the moon is way behind us. So I'm kind of looking back, and then I see this light move, and I'm like, oh, cool, here's another space station, and then all of a sudden it gets hugely bright, and I thought, well, maybe I didn't see it when it was small, and I'm thinking, oh, that's an airplane. But, I mean, it's so bright. I mean, at least, probably at least a half an inch in diameter from where we were sitting is what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, it was big. And so if it was an airplane, that would be super low. It's not flashing. It's just super bright. And it's moving. There's no sound. There's no blinking. And I'm like, Josh, look at this. Look at this. (laughs) And so we look back and we're like, holy shit, that's so bright, you know. And, And then the light just dims. And well, it's, it it shot upwards. Yeah, and so and then like dimmed out. Yeah, it like shot upwards, and then like it got small. Like so, it went back to the original light that I saw, moved for a little bit, and then just gone. So something I didn't think about then, and I didn't say then, but I'm thinking about it now. What if whatever we were messing with came back? Oh, came back around. Yeah, it. Mm. <laughs> Yep, I wonder. I wonder. I was so dumbfounded by it, I couldn't even shoot the laser pointer at it. I like. I wonder if it was waiting to see if we if it would get a reaction. Yeah, I mean the way it moved and everything like that, and then the brightness of the light. Yeah. I mean, and it was funny because earlier we were just like, "Man, I really want to see something and, and better than anybody, what we've seen." Yeah, and I mean, and I would, it. I would say is is for for more than I remember as far as its size. Um, is it was it was probably about like the eighth of the size of the moon as yeah. far as what you see in the night sky, mm-hmm. and it was just as bright 
Oh, as yeah. the moon. It was so sky. bright. And that's which is why immediately I thought it was a plane. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it was even with a plane, you can see the outline of the body and you can see all the other lights. This was just one solid white light. It yeah. was in it was just insane. I, I've never seen anything like that before that I'm aware of. It was nuts. So again, um, in case anybody listening is asking, uh, no, we didn't. We weren't able to get uh, video footage because I wasn't it, even thinking about. We that. weren't I, thinking about it. Yeah, it's just just fascinated um, by what we're seeing. And a lot yeah. of times, these things happen within seconds. You know, I mean, this maybe lasted ten seconds. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm almost to the point now where I'm thinking that like when we go, when we go out there and stuff, we're we're just gonna have to record like nonstop and then we just need to wear we, body cams and hope that we catch something so <laughs> right we need uh, to wear those google body cams to sit on top of your head and records in like 3d so we can virtual reality it exactly that's what um, i want but uh so yeah so those were our two sightings if you will we saw like i said we saw a couple other things that were like really high moving but th- i think those could be easily dismissed as as like a satellite or something mm-hmm. like that. So. I, I don't know. I mean, I saw that one during the Estes session where it told me to look up and I look up and I see it and it blinks and moves and then comes back and blinks and then it's gone. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, so so talking about the Estes sessions, uh, I went under the, the, the headset, if you will, first. So do you want to talk about what you got from me? mostly mostly that it was you know it was mostly look up look up you said to look up a lot and i would look up and and just see random things um you know we're also convinced i think you've heard us talk before on the show that we're convinced that something lives in the wood line right behind your house whether it be a cryptid or a spirit or something or there's like a portal there or or a portal or something but yeah it's like i mean it was definitely talking about things like that um, I'm, I'm struggling to remember anything else because we stupidly did not record. Yeah. Um, the, I, um, the thing that I remember that you told me about was that um, you said it was like it was there. You said something like, are you in the sky or on the surface? And then yes. and then my response was, you know, on the surface. Yeah. Here, here on the surface. Right. Yeah. It was very, very interesting. You know, with the Estes method, of course, you're blindfolded and you can't yeah. hear anything. I can't as well hear as what you're asking. A ghost box running through. Right. So when you say words that come off of a question that I've asked, what was my mind? Yeah. But, but apparently your name came up a lot during my Estes session. Yeah. You're when you were under, when you were, when you were uh, under the, the headphones, if you will, um, yeah, I mean, it was like, I think my name, so so both Joshua and Josh. Uh, which which was, I never call you Joshua, so yeah. the fact that it kept coming up was weird. Uh, came up like seven or eight times, um, as did uh, Zeus and the son of Zeus. Oh, yeah, son of Zeus, right. Yeah, that which, came up a Which lot. is interesting because, you know, we talk about hybrid theory all the time, and then here's Zeus where or here's hercules so to speak if if zeus was indeed an alien and not a god he would indeed then be a hybrid right well and 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 like i was talking about that night you know it it could be that um if if you if you want to believe that you know zeus was an alien and not a god and he did in fact uh have uh children with with mortals if you will or humans um then those humans uh, that lived, they would have had children and offspring and so on and so forth down through the line. Much like and the Nephilim. You know, so maybe maybe there is some sort of a, 
uh, a minuscule, if you will, a genetic marker left behind for uh, people who are descendants of Right, and maybe that's where these things like psychic gifts and things come from. In fact, it'd be a good question to ask our friend Theologian about Nephilim and what about the line that was created from them, the ancestral line, or were they all wiped out during the flood? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember where it took place. It's probably Um, conveniently. Yeah, it's like it's a conveniency, though. Um, So, yeah. yeah. So, very very interesting. Yeah, and we talked about, too, um, about the mission. Yeah, it, it it did like every time it would talk about, uh, every time it would say my name or whatever, I'd say you know what, what are we supposed to do? And at one point in time, the the response came back that um, we're supposed to uh, stay on mission. And I said, well, what is our mission? And then it said, uh, spread the message, use the show. So uh, here we are, spreading the message. Well, yeah, which is just interesting. You know, we are we're on a mission. I mean, this show is is not just for us to share information with people, but it is a quest for us. Yeah, I mean, we are seeking knowledge ourselves. I mean, and just and boy, do we have a surprise to share with you guys soon. I can't tell you now, <laughs> but just in terms of everything that happened, just synchronicities, some amazing cool things have happened that we'll share with you down the road. That's going to be awesome. But yeah, it, it was a hell of a Saturday, man. Yeah. And I think the, the one lesson that we learned is that uh, regardless if we're just doing something for our own benefit, uh, we need to record it, record everything, record yeah. everything. Because you never so, know. You never um, know. But on that, I'm ready to get rolling into this interview if you are. Yep. I'm very, very interested. Uh, we've got a great interview coming up for you with uh, Joe Purdue. Like we talked about Sasquatch, uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. And as soon as we get back from that, you're going to hear John Tinney's, uh, his, uh, I guess account? His, his account. Thank you. My brain is dead. Uh, his account that was posted uh, on Facebook uh, on the wild and weird West Virginia site, the investigators there. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just stick around after the break. Hey, Blanket Huggers, Stefan here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast, and do we have a scary good deal for you right now. If you head over to fearscapepodcast.com forward slash Gamefly, you can get a 30-day free trial Gamefly subscription on us. Now, if you're not familiar with Gamefly, it's a game and movie rental service where you can play the hottest video games for systems like the Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, or even the PS4. You can get up to two games or movies out at a time, and you can do that an unlimited amount of time times a month. Josh and I love to play our game systems, and I am really enjoying the Final Fantasy VII Remake right now. And if you're like me, games are too expensive to buy and beat in the same weekend. Well, with Gamefly, you can get it and keep a game as long as you need. Then you just send it back and get the next game on your list. So head on over to fearscapepodcast.com forward slash Gamefly today and give it a try. My name is John Tinney. I share this event completely aware of the backlash and ridicule I will receive. The day was April 12th, 2020, and it had weather conditions shaping up to be perfect for my favorite hobby, amateur herpetology. So like every spring night when the rain is falling heavy, I decided it would be a great night to cruise the roads and document the species of reptiles and amphibians crawling on the floor of a local state forest. And like normal, an unnamed passenger at this time opted to cruise the back roads with me on the search. 
We arrived at the state forest a little after 8 p.m. The sun had not yet fallen, and the sky's not quite dark enough for the animals I was searching for to be emerging from their hiding places yet. So, we took a drive through the park to kill time, look for other interesting animals and wait for the sun to fully set. Nothing unusual was happening. The frogs were starting to call as the sun fell behind the mountain and night began to fall. The birds chirping fell quiet with the sunset. The deer were retreating from the wet valley I was intending to search that night. Absolutely nothing unusual for the area I frequent on a regular basis. In an average week, I visit the same location five, maybe six times to document any new egg masses, the species I observe, or anything else that I might find interesting at the given time. I have observed and heard coyotes and owls in this valley on several occasions and have become familiar with their behavior and noises as a result. This average night was about to take a terrifying turn. I never imagined. In this particular forest, I have a handful of areas that host great habitats for documenting a wide variety of species. I made my way to the first vernal pool area I wanted to check in the flooded valley wetland that night. I exited my vehicle. The time now approaching 9 p.m., and I observed a toad on the gravel parking area. I decided to document this first species of the night. I stopped, got my phone out of my pocket, and snapped the first picture of the adventure. That would end up being the only explainable thing I encountered in the valley that night. As I took two to three more steps, just past the giant rocks that prevent vehicles from driving into the open area of the woods, towards the first vernal pool I was intending to shine with my flashlight, I heard a groan. A groan that I have never heard in these woods before. This groan was deep, almost sounding human, or at least priming nature. Clearly, it was agitated and extremely too close to where I was currently standing. I had clearly interrupted something, and it was furious about it. Something was in this valley with me, and I had no identification for the sounds it was expressing towards my presence. The chills that shot down my spine and covered my body were like nothing I have experienced in my life. I looked back to see the unnamed person that came with me, void of color with eyes as large as I have ever seen on anyone. My first reaction was to get the hell back in the vehicle and try to make sense of what we clearly both just witnessed. What was a short distance back to the vehicle felt like an eternity, carrying the fear that had consumed my body at this point. Merely thinking about that groan is enough to spark those same chills through my body even now. As we sat in the vehicle for what in reality was only likely a few seconds, felt like minutes were asking each other what the noise was. A second, now closer groan rang through that valley and the fear struck every molecule of my body again. This thing, whatever it was, was literally on top of us. My only mission at this point was to get the hell out of that valley and my unnamed passenger expressed the same mission aloud. You know, people often ask why there was no video or picture or recording of some kind in this age of everyone having their phone in their pocket. But after experiencing that frightening sound in near complete darkness minus my own lights, I can definitely understand why people just bolt. 
I lost all the preconceived ideas we all have that we would be the one with the guts to stick around to find out what just made that sound. But I drove over an hour to search a completely different forest and wetland area for species that night because I no longer wanted to be in that area and sleep was sure to elude me for days after this unexplainable experience. After returning home that night and the following day, I attempted to make sense of the sounds we witnessed. I messaged friends, avid in the outdoors, to jokingly tell them that I heard a murder or even a Bigfoot last night, hoping for identification suggestions from anyone close to me that could give me an answer more reasonable than either of those ideas. Yet nothing. I researched large cats that are not supposed to be here, and those that are, yet nothing resembling that groan in the felines I listened to. I researched coyote and wolf chatter. Again, nothing in the canine world sounded like that groan. I researched owls, raptors, bears, and once more, nothing matched that bone-chilling sound. I honestly hoped and waited for the news to report a body. Seriously, I was just seeking answers at this point. I was admittedly becoming desperate for answers. Someone has heard this noise in the woods before. There's no way I was the only one. So I desperately contacted a friend of mine that is highly interested and invested in the fields of cryptozoology and the paranormal. Admittedly, I made this contact in hopes to get an answer somewhere along the lines of, that's not a sound I'm aware of. But much to my surprise, he wanted to know more. He asked, where did this happen? When did this happen? Can you tell me what you recall? So I gave him the details of what I recalled about the above event, with the location in more detail, and the investigation was on. The details of his investigation are heavily documented in his photographs and video. What he found matches almost too unbelievably perfect to the experience I described to him. Now, I don't want to go into detail of his side of documenting this event since he will do that better than I can on his own. However, I will tell you that the evidence I received after he visited the site of my experience literally made my heart drop. I could feel the color once again leave my face. I'm still not sure what we heard in the valley that night, but what he uncovered leaves me completely unsettled about where the evidence appears to point. The only thing I'm sure of is that whatever it was didn't want to share that valley with us, and it still gives me chills when I think about it. Now you can be the judge of this evidence for yourself, because I won't tell you what to believe. Mostly because I'm still unsure of what to make of it myself. All right, so thank you guys for sticking around after the break. Uh, hope you guys had an opportunity to really listen to the uh, the account by uh, uh, John Tinney. Wow. Yeah. Um, and for those of you guys that know, we've got Joe Purdue here from Wild and Weird, West Virginia, who was the one, uh, the friend that he was talking about uh, that got the information and actually went out on an investigation. And we didn't. You know, we didn't lead up into really what happened to the investigation whole much because we wanted to talk to Joe first. And Joe, thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. How you all doing? Glad to be here. 
Oh, doing great. Super duper, man. I'm Sasquatchy <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> sounds like measles. I got the Sasquatch. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that sounds more like yeah. um, swamp butt. Yeah, I or something it's like, like yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> and, you know, it's all sweaty. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a the powder can fix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but real quick, I want to just let, before we get into the investigation, I want to take a little bit of time and talk a little bit about uh john's encounter um so the growls that he heard those are pretty typical um you know the the two the two major things people tend to hear in sasquatch uh sightings or uh hearings hearings i guess (laughs) is uh is that growl or the whoop you know the high-pitched one uh the one that's further away but that growl i can't even imagine i mean just hearing my dog growl gives me goosebumps you know he's cuddly so (laughs) yeah yeah, it's uh the the growl that John described. It, it is typical, especially of vocalization encounters. Um, and based off of my research and and what I've gotten from studying other encounters and other researchers' work, is that that is typically a a sound that an individual will hear if they're in uh, the immediate area, i.e., they are way too close. And right. it, it's more of a get out of here kind of. Yeah, because you think about jumping onto somebody's property, right? Right. If you're half a mile down the lane, they're going to say, get off my land, you son right. bitch. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're up close, they're like, <laughs> you better listen to me, boy. You know, yeah. you better get off my land. <laughs> and so it's different. And that that makes it even more scary to think how close John had to be. And even hearing it through the car, man. Ooh. Well, uh, once I got on site, realizing how close John actually was, was uh, it, it was incredible. Um, you're talking at the furthest away, whatever it was that he encountered. Um, it, 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 was, it was big, and it was within uh, about 100 to 50 feet of him the entire time. Jeez, that's nothing. And, it, and the reason I say 150 feet is because on physical evidence at a 50 foot marker and at about a hundred feet. Wow. So that's, it's not necessarily a, a speculative guess of, of range. Like, you know, when you, uh, when you hear sighting encounters and things of that nature there, you'll, you'll hear people give a description of, well, it was about 50 yards between yeah. 50, and 25. No, this, this was actually like uh, measurements. I took measurements and, it was the first bit of trace evidence was 50 feet away from where he was standing. And then the furthest bit of trace evidence that I found was right at, right inside of the hundred foot mark. Right. That's just insane, man. You know, we talk about distance uh, being skewed all the time and he didn't have a chance to even tell how close he was. He just heard it and scooted, which is a smart man. (laughs) That's exactly what you should do. If you hear it, scoot, get on out. And one of the things that John talked about too was uh, after the fact that there were, he had this feeling of unease that lingered, right? Uh, and and that that came from talking to him a few days after uh, what happened, and after I'd given him our report of what we found. Uh, you know, he did talk about this general feeling of unease, which is indicative of uh, the alleged infrasound, right? Well, and so getting those subsonic waves hitting your body from that close of a range, it allegedly does have that kind of a lingering effect on somebody. 
I've, I've, I watched something about uh, Sasquatch that uh, said that they it compared them to uh, big cats and how like you know lions and lionesses and things like that how they'll do like a really low growl and the 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 part of the growl that you can hear is only a, is only a part of the growl the, the part you can't mm-hmm. hear is those subsonic uh, like you said the, the kind of the, the vibrations that are sent your right. way that trigger in your you know kind of back your brain your lizard brain if you will that hey I don't need to be here I need to I need to you know fight or flight or whatever the case would be well I mean the same thing goes with sound is most people don't understand why do people chant ohm well when you chant ohm and you hold it it sits in your lower register like near closer to your solar plexus and your heart and your lungs area and that will like shake loose things from your lungs it creates a sense almost like a cat purring does it creates a sense of calmness and oneness like just simply from the vibration that it makes because right. it sits in a lower register unless you know unless you're that person's like oh <laughs> but i mean just the standard oh like it sits and it vibrates and as i've done meditation if i've ever used ohm you can even flip your vocal cord to hit it to really drill it down and it's 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 insane and so yeah i mean these and these infrared sounds i was just reading about that in keel's book of the eighth tower he's talking about that you know making people sick and uh just based off of these sounds and so Whew, sorry to hear John was not feeling so good, <laughs> yeah. you know, man. Like, well, just, yeah, he, had, he had this general feeling of unease, like um, just stayed nervous and, and the, the fight or flight mm-hmm. uh, alert just didn't go away for a little bit. Well, you know, I was thinking about something just now, and I, you know, I wonder if anybody's ever really thought about it. But uh, I, I think of probably a lot of people who follow Sasquatch probably assume that they're non, I'll, I'll say, um, non-higher vocal beings, right? They, you only ever hear like stuff that's like the whoops or the grunts or the knocking. And so it's maybe assumed that they're not intelligent enough to mm-hmm. form words. But what if they're, you know, psychic? Well, even then, I mean, look at dolphins. They can't form words, yeah. but they are in a lot of ways smarter than we are, you know? So, I mean, it could be, though, that they're also pushing some sort of a, a psychic, you know, type beware right to or you. when they're with their people they're like hey fred what happened to you today right. oh well you know that I, I whooped it real good while i was out there scared them boys out there <laughs> well, <laughs> habit of trying to anthropomorphize things yes that we that we don't understand so you know we like you had just mentioned dolphins even though mm-hmm. they're not out there speaking the queen's english uh they're they're able to communicate they're able to dictate Correct what needs to happen they're able to organize and uh and generate these hunting parties where they go out and rally fish it's not just instinctual they're communicating all the time and and the animal kingdom you can see that all across all the way from insects to your higher mammals so it's it's not beyond uh beyond the scope to think that that's possibly what could be happening you know this they use the infrasound to communicate much like elephants do correct because we never we never hear elephants uh as they communicate within their little what do you call them, pod or herd yeah. or whatever yeah pod i believe is what it's called i don't know little what's, pea pod what's a collection of elephants called little, little pea pod. the only you can really tune in is if you get a pair of, yeah the only way you can tune into it is if you have like a parabolic microphone and you start looking at it on in wavelengths of tone right uh, and, and you see all of these crazy activities of vocal ranges that they're able to produce that we can't hear 
Correct. Right. Cats are very similar. Cats, the meows, are actually something they created as a way to communicate with humans. They don't, for the most part, don't meow to each other. Um, You know, even my cat, when they're fighting, when she meows, my vet says that's her saying, hey, help me to us. Right. Like not to Kylo. And so it's very, very interesting that they have their own form of communication as well in different ways. And theirs is all about movement and scent. Right. Yeah different things body language um but i do want to move on a little bit and uh before we uh get into your investigation i wanted to say uh very interesting that he also had a passenger with him and it already tells you how taboo the paranormal can be right that here's this this pat which by the way john has told us a million times i mean his opening line was i know i'm going to be ridiculed right right Right. and so it's like he already struggled putting this out there and then you've got this other guy was like hey bro don't be telling anybody (laughs) that i was with you just call me mr unnamed right and and i get that I mean, I can't, there's been a lot of situations and people do, we have to ask all the time when we're doing our listener stories, Hey, can we use your name or do you want us to use a, um, an alias? And man, I would say probably 40% of the time they ask for an alias because they're still so worried that somehow it's going to get back to where they work or to their family or something along those lines. We've had guests on the show that want to have an alias. Yes. So yes, absolutely. Because yeah, they're worried about their career. It's very, very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Um, but I do want to quickly give you a little shout out and kind of let people know again who you are. So we got Joe Purdue and you're a founder or co-founder. Is it both one or the other of Wild and Weird? Co- co-founder and co-owner because uh, Wild and Weird West Virginia is a business that we run. Right. That, that actually helps to fund the research side of what we do. And, um, and our research side of of what we do is called the West Virginia High Strangeness Collective. Yes. And then you guys have a show as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, we actually have a podcast. It's called Wild and Weird Radio, and uh, we, we cover a wide variety of weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the reasons we like you because we're like that too. It's like, we're not just satisfied with the podcast. Like we got to dip our fingers into as much as we can. Yeah. Um, And then I had mentioned to you personally that we have a friend named Dominique McGrath. Got to give her a little shout out. Shared friend. So weird. Just small world because I met her in Seattle as well. That's what's even weirder. Uh, Oh, wow. Out there to work for a little bit doing the, uh, with with that was photography or art business she was doing. Yeah, she went out there and then, yeah, she worked my uh, best friend in college that Josh knows as well, started a um, software technology company called Lineage, and she ended up working out there. And then I ended up working out there from home, but I flew out there, I got to meet her, and then she ended up doing the wedding photos for me at my wedding, all kinds of, it's just a crazy small world, man. <laughs> you know, I've known Dominique for uh, forever, pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, I-, I love her and her family, they're, they're great people. She's awesome. Well, I already told her that. <clears throat> I already told her that when we get out to Point Pleasant this summer, uh, she's going to come out and get some lunch with me and stuff. So I'm really excited. Her and her. Yeah, husband. definitely. And uh, get, give me a shout too. Oh, we I'm, already plan on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only half an hour south. Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> I was like, cool. It won't be a big deal if we yeah. say, come on down and join us for the show. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, anyways, I wanted to get all that out there and just cause I really enjoy all the stuff you guys do. Like, I mean, I I've been pouring through it for the last couple of weeks through all your websites and Facebook pages and the art, you know, you got to show us some of the art that you do. That's just absolutely phenomenal. And yeah, we'll you of course do teaser footage too. Yes. Yes. We haven't released yet. 
Yes. So I'm just telling you, there's some good stuff out there, people. So even if you're just in Kentucky, you're a listener in Kentucky or around the country, still some cool stuff. You can get some cool Mothman stuff, all that jazz. And we'll do the plugs at the end, but who Lord, I wanted to give them a little bit about you. But so to get to where we were, your guys do investigations and that's where we are now is that you, which I love that you guys jumped on this very quickly and said, we need to get out there and we need to investigate this and see what we can find. Yeah. The, uh, the whole vision behind the collective was to form a rapid response team that could collect data and get into the field as quickly as possible. Um, and this happened to be one of those uh, perfect storm moments where I only live 20 minutes away from the investigation site. It's great. Uh, John got a hold of me and gave me the report. I had him fill out an SSR and told him to, you know, write up everything you can as clearly and concisely as you can right now because our memory is malleable, right? <laughs> yes. The longer the longer we sit and stew on a memory, the more it changes and the more it evolves, it becomes more elaborate. Things start to get embellished. Certain features of the memory begin to shift and, and you lose a lot of detail in the important areas and gain details that might have never been there. So having him write that report out as clean and fresh as he could, and then reaching the field as quickly as I could uh, was so important to us as as an investigation team, um, and and we could we can't stress the value of that type of uh, uh, I guess information gathering. It's fantastic. I mean, people wait their whole lives sometimes to say something. In fact, the UFO sighting we did for this week was a guy talking about it, I think, this year from something that happened to him in the 80s. Like, I mean, he's just now brave enough to come forward. And so no one can investigate that one. Right. I mean, it's like (laughs) not as well as it could. Yeah, we actually just uh, literally, what what time is it? Uh, Okay, 20 minutes ago, we got a UFO sighting report from earlier today. And I have them filling out the same SSR right now. Oh, yeah, man. We we are lucky. We live West Virginia and Kentucky are such hotbeds for high strangeness, man. Like, yeah, I mean, that Ohio River Valley is something else, man. And it always has been. If you look at it historically, there's just so Mm -hmm. much stuff going on uh, from the time people got here all the way to current day. Um, so, so anyway, back to, back to the investigation portion. Um, when John contacted me, it was one of those things where I knew, okay, I've got to get out there, uh, as quickly as possible. So the next morning I went out to the site and, um, I got there really, you know, it was in the peak of the, uh, the quarantine that we've been in. Correct. Yeah. So there's been nobody out. The parks were actually closed. Um, perfect storm, man. <laughs> yeah. And so John, John was in there doing a uh, salamander migration watch. He was going in documenting species as they were uh, moving into their breeding territories. Right. So it was perfect for him because he was able to get in there at night and, and do his documentation. And then during the day, I was able to get in there and uh, it was me and a couple of the, the people who work at the park were the only other humans I saw. Um, there was a couple cars that drove by, but the thing about this specific forest is on either end of the forest is residential areas. Hmm. 
so it's uh, they never actually put up proper gates to block people out because it's considered a through fair. Um, oh, people cut through other parts of the neighborhood. Right. People can cut through it and, and make their way to the other end of uh, town and cut 20 minutes of interstate out of their way. Kind of like Seneca Park. A lot of people do that, too. Yeah. So, um, so you know, there were a few cars that drove by, but uh, the location was a perfect location as well. So we had this perfect storm scenario. We go into the perfect location for data preservation because it's it was located in an area where there's a lot of vernal pools. And for the listeners, vernal pools <laughs> are, are areas of uh, water that will, they might be seasonal, they might be permanent, but they're, they're places that don't really stagnate because water will move through the area. Like it'll feed into right. a creek. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just a large, a larger body, kind of like a pond, a natural pond. And on either end, there'll be an area for water to kind of seep out into a creek or a stream. And a lot of amphibians and reptiles will use these areas and mammals will use them for feeding. Uh, So they're a hot spot early in the spring. And again, in the fall. Especially apparently for Sasquatch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Drinking spot though. I mean, you got a lot of that pooled water is fresh. It is. And, uh, it, this specific one is fed by some runoff from the mountain and then it fills and goes over and flows into, uh, into a creek. And because of how it is in close proximity to that creek, the ground there stays fairly wet. You know, the water table mm-hmm. is just a few inches below the surface. So it, it, it kept the footprints preserved. So as I just gave away, I found footprints. Um, <laughs> right, we, right. We actually found uh, as soon as I got on site, within 30 seconds of being outside of my vehicle, my jaw hit the floor because the sun was shining down through the trees and had the entire, uh, the far bank of the vernal pool completely illuminated. And wow. right in the middle were these two big dark footprints where they were sunk into the ground. Hmm. Um, so I was I, right then I was blown away because this thing, these, these footprints were where I expected to find trace evidence based off John's report. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, man, this is something else. Uh, okay. Well, I've now got to figure out a way to get around to those footprints because this is a large vernal pool and i got a Creek here. So I do have some boundaries and I can't walk straight through the vernal pool because it was about four feet deep. Now, throughout your uh, time investigating, have you ever, ever come across footprints before, or was this the first one? Uh, I have come across footprints before, but none that were preserved quite as well as these. Hmm. Um, you know, the these were the first, uh, well, the second full tracks, second set of full tracks that I've ever found. Um, the majority have been partial, mm-hmm. partial tracks where you'll get like a... Uh, a really good heel print or you'll get the uh, positioning of the five toes. Um, and, and actually a lot of Bigfoot researchers prefer, prefer the partial tracks over full tracks. Really? Why is that? It, it gives more, more um, it illuminates more of their mechanics and how they move. Okay. Because the, the toes will be, in a more organic position. Like they won't be in your, uh, atypical footprint 
on the beach kind of position. So they'll be because like, they'll be like that. What was that? I was saying it's like when they're they're picking up their foot right, and their toes are pressing in more, and you're getting more of that indentation yeah. of the toe, or, or they're stepping down, and you get more of that heel indentation piece. And so, like you said, the more the more mechanics of their of their gait and how they're actually walking and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And that, so it, that, it gives it that better than that somebody stamped a footprint into the ground, which you always hear skeptics talk yeah. about. That's exactly right. Um, and so I saw those footprints on the on the bank, and I was like, wow, okay. So I started trying to navigate my way around, um, and there's actually a video of this. And typically, I, we don't video uh, our research. At least we don't video it and broadcast it. Um, right our investigation research. We hold that back for the collective and the collective is free to use and uh, and have access to all of that information, but we don't normally broadcast it. Um, but something happened when I got to the other side of the vernal pool. And that's why I started videoing. <clears throat> um, and I started to record everything. And it was one of those hindsight 2020, I had my phone in vertical position when I started recording. Um, and you know, everybody for, for video purposes. <laughs> and, uh, so I instantly, I was like, Oh, well, crap. Oh, well too late. Can't fix that now. Uh, hopefully I don't die. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started recording because as soon as I made it in between the Creek and the vernal pool, I found another set of tracks, which were the tracks that I cast. So I took a, a paint stick and a glove and jabbed the paint stick down in it and put a glove around it. So that way I had a flagged area. Uh, that, that way I didn't step on it when I was walking back to it or, um, it, you know, didn't have to fight to try to refine these footprints. In, right, right. In so I marked them and then made my way back through towards the original prints. As I was marking those prints is when I started running the video because I heard a, a grunt, a deep, mm-hmm. loud grunt followed by three knocks and um i turned on the video camera hoping that i could maybe instigate more of that activity and catch it on the camera Mm. and i left the video running the whole time um uh i broke the video one time just to switch over the camera's perspective and then brought it right back but uh anyway the uh i heard that and i said okay well i need to start recording that way, in case something does wind up, because you, know, you never know what's going to happen. I've heard so many reports of aggressive encounters and peaceful encounters. My personal encounter was a peaceful encounter. Uh, it, it wasn't anything that caused me to have fear. Um, it, it did unnerve me, but it wasn't terrifying. But right. it was one of those things where, okay, I want to get this thing on camera. If I get charged and something tries to kill me, I'm just going to throw my phone like a Frisbee back towards my truck. (laughs) And so, so I started the video running and that's what was going through my mind. I can pitch my phone if something comes at me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that way people know what happened. Uh, but anyway, um, I go on and I find some partial tracks, uh, in between the the main the first two and going towards the ones that I initially found as soon as I got out of the vehicle. So when it's once I made it up to the deeper tracks, it, I was so bummed out because I couldn't cast them. They were full of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they were right on the edge of the vernal pool. So because of that, the water just rushed in through through the leaf litter and and through the the, the little uh, the the strata that was there. Right. Was yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, that whole area is basically made up of like sand, a little bit of clay, but a whole lot of dead leaves. And you know that whole area right on the edge of the pool. It was it was real boggy, and uh, in the video, I even tried jumping up and down beside the uh, those two tracks to get my foot to go just anywhere nearly as deep as what these two tracks were because they were about six inches deep, and I was only able to get my foot to go in about an inch. And uh, I'm 250 pounds, and I, I was I was giving it everything I could give it. I even jumped off of a stump trying to, you know, really <laughs> dig my feet in there because once I figured out that I couldn't cast them, I just took really good uh, video and some pictures. Yep. And then, then I started doing my best trying to replicate the depth. Um, and, and I was unable to do so. So after that, I went back, I got my plaster, got it mixed and I poured the original two tracks. Um, and you know, I did, I did find some, uh, stuff that I normally discount um, things like limb breaks and and stuff like that you know not everything's Bigfoot right right like when you go out in the woods and you see a, a tree that's fallen and it's sitting at an angle Bigfoot didn't do that right right but, a lot of, <laughs> but to a lot of people they're like oh that's Bigfoot yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that, look at that. those three those two trees fell and they formed an X Bigfoot did it <laughs> X, X marks, marks the, the spot, spot. <laughs> right and it, you know, that's just that's not the case in probably 99.99% of the cases um, now I have seen some structures that are questionable I'll say that sure I can't, I can't give Bigfoot credit for it but something made it that was uh, that had hands and an opposable thumb hmm <laughs> Hmm. Um, so it's either a, a guy making a hunting blind or, you know, an alleged Sasquatch. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm usually the guy that tends to lean. Well, some dude was out there and made himself a temporary hunting blind. Right. And uh, so anyway, you know, I, there were a few limb snaps and then there were some, uh, I documented those. Um, no, no weird odor was detected by John at all. Um, I know that's indicative of a lot of Bigfoot in, uh, encounters. People will uh, talk about this pungent odor that they'll smell. Um, he didn't have any kind of odor. The whole time I was there, there was no odor. Um, Were you upwind or downwind? Uh, that morning, the wind was everywhere. Okay. Because, um, you know, we're right in the middle of seasonal change, and I'm in a valley between two mountains. So the wind was blowing all all direction. Yeah. Um, now with the uh, the two prints we did get the plaster of. Um, yeah. I know I was speaking to you before. These were a little bit different. The depth was different than the one uh, in the squishy area. Right? Yes, they were. Um, it, it was it was a lot different. The depth was only about an inch and a half uh, to to two inches deep. Two inches deep on the heel on one of them, but the re- the rest of it's pretty uniform, right around a inch and a half to inch and three quarters deep. Um, but this was on harder ground. Right. Because I, once I got the plaster in the ground, I even tried to replicate those tracks myself. And this was in an area where the, the soil was mostly clay and sand. 
and and I was unable to to create uh, an impression this deep. Now, based off of where where they were located, the toes were pointed directly towards where John was standing. Oh man! <laughs> and uh, and it, it was it was really interesting, and that's that was probably the the most unnerving part of the investigation for John. Is when oh, I, I, I was literally about to ask. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I mean, he's thinking to himself. I'm standing out there, and this thing's just standing there looking at me. Had he yeah. made the wrong move, he could have been attacked, right? right? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Because I, I took a perspective photo uh, standing where the prints were at, mm-hmm. and it was it was looking directly where his car would have been parked. Huh. <clears throat> so um, my it, we I actually uh, once we gathered all this evidence, we sent it. We didn't immediately publish it, right? Right. Uh, we consulted a lot of seasoned researchers. Um, we sent it out to uh, we sent it out to Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Um, we sent it out to Dave Spinks, David Bacara. Uh, we sent it out to some guys out on the Olympics project. Uh, whoa! About lost my camera there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we sent it out to a whole lot of researchers for. Uh, for verification because we wanted to we wanted them to look at the the data that was collected and just validate from their experience because they've been doing this a lot longer than we have and we wanted to get uh, there's no real experts in the field right we wanted to get as close to expert opinion as we could correct just just to uh, you know we basically submitted it all for peer review. Okay. And um, <clears throat> the pretty much everyone came back with, yeah, that is, uh, that's really good stuff. And I appreciate you doing that. You know, it shows the level of professionalism you guys have there. You know, it's it's not a, hey, look what we found, everybody, real life, pay us money. Right. Like, it's, it's very much, <laughs> yeah. it's like, this is science. And that's how we look at it, too, with everything. It's like, even the stuff that has happened to us, we spend days researching to try to find out a way to see if, if what we saw was just Starlink or if there's whatever. A reasonable right. explanation. Right. right. And, and so I appreciate you guys sending that out to these experts. Well, experts with air quotes, but yes, I believe they are experts in the field. We went out with, uh, we actually had a secondary site review and, um, and we convinced John to come with us. <laughs> and it was myself, John, and uh, Dr. Russ Jones. Um, Dr. Russ Jones is a local chiropractor. Um, he's also a master naturalist. Right. And uh, he, he's been doing research in this same forest for, for years. And he's been researching the phenomena for 30 years. And um, so we had him come out on site because, uh, again, like I said, he was, he's an investigator in that area. And we were wanting to get his, his take on it. And um, he came out. We, you know, I, I walked him through the investigation area because he's also um, he's he's the lead guy in West Virginia for BFRO as well. So uh, I I just wanted to get everybody's kind of general consensus and the fact that we could get Russ out to take a look with us. It, it was great. Um, and you know, John John talked to Russ and was telling him uh, all the. The, the situation, his his personal account, and then I walked through the investigation side with him as well. 
and uh, you know he he was basically corroborating all the evidence we were compiling together and uh, and and he was very impressed with the tracks as well um, it, it was uh, it was it is such an awesome experience uh, I'll say that it was such an awesome experience just I mean just getting to hear it from you is an awesome experience for us you know just reading John's account yeah so how many um, so let me ask I got two questions for you number one um, are you guys like the male and you know rather rain sweet sleep shine you know whatever you guys are out there doing your investigation is there ever oh, yeah. a point where you're not doing it um, there's if we don't have enough data we won't go out but that's the only thing that keeps us from going out like somebody fills out a report and says I saw a bright light in the sky but then that's all the information they give you. That's probably not enough to warrant a full investigation. Exactly. If that's correct, if, if somebody just sends out a a uh, a little nothing report of like I saw a bright light in the sky and then it was gone. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. If you can come up with any more, I'd love to come investigate. Right. But. You know, we we're not going going to uh, we're not going to devote resources to yeah. that kind of uh, that kind of an event. Now, if someone says I saw a bright light in the sky and then I had a Bigfoot encounter, I'm there now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good God, they are so sometimes tied together for sure. Yeah, um, you know, a good friend of ours, Stan Gordon. He uh, he is a um, we lean on Stan a lot with a lot of our SSR stuff. And when we get reports in, we'll send stuff to him to see what he thinks as well. We bounce a lot of ideas off of, off of Stan. He's, he's a great resource. Um, and you know, through, through the seventies, there was this huge flap UFO, Bigfoot, uh, connection. Right. Yeah. Things going on uh, in his region. He was leading point on that. And it was, it was just really cool to, uh, to, to be able to have him to bounce information off of. But if, if we get, if we get reports in that are extremely vague and nondescript, it's not something we're going to devote a lot of time to. Yeah. Yeah. So then my second question is um, how many uh, squatch investigations have you done? Oh man. Um, I'm trying to add them all up. Uh, now with the collective, we've only done two, but independently, I was probably proper investigations about six. Wow. Um, so, so that's why for me, it was so important to, to research, uh, and bounce these ideas and, uh, it, the, um, all of the stuff from the investigation for peer review just because, you know, we're, I've been doing, uh, I've been in investigating uh, Sasquatch for, well, since I had my encounter back in 2001, but actually going out and doing real honest to God investigations where, you know, you're treating like a crime scene. Yeah. Um, that's, that's relatively new to us. You know, it, it's, it's, it's disappointing. Um, the amount of, uh, I don't know, hoops that, that sometimes you have to jump through to make sure 
that um, skeptics don't have a lot of ammunition, if you will, right. to yeah. you know call into question anything. So um, I, I think that the paranormal in general, so Bigfoot, aliens, whatever you, want, you know, whatever falls into that bucket, is just one of the only areas where it receives that much uh, skepticism. Yeah, and uh, part of the reason why we haven't had very many investigations specifically on Bigfoot is because a uh, a lack of people coming forward, or they'll come forward, but like you guys had experience with that UFO report, it was from the 80s. It's such an old case, you know, right. there's nothing to go and investigate. Now, you can go to the area. You can look and see if there's any activity in the area, but you're not investigating an account anymore you're you're just yeah. investigating an area and now uh, going to investigate an actual area you know i've i've done a lot of that you know i've i've walked all through the woods of putnam county and kanoa county and boone county and logan um and and looked for activity and and things of that nature but you know those weren't sanctioned uh investigations those were just prospecting i guess you would call it yeah, yeah right now you had loosely mentioned here uh about your own encounter do you mind sharing that at all with us oh yeah absolutely that's uh i'll give you the campbell's condensed version Ooh, um, do we have to add water <laughs> add some water to it uh, okay <laughs> it's it it the whole thing like uh for when i try to give people this encounter and um normally it's something that I've been open with sharing with people for the last uh, few years, just because, um, you know, I, I've been in various positions within church in the past and for pretty much all of my adult life. And uh, if I go around telling people that I had a Bigfoot encounter, you know, that's like, well, you're crazy. Right. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I haven't been serving in leadership or in any capacity for the last three years now at this point. And I got, that's when I got involved in the Bigfoot community, really. Good. Um, and, and so I started being more open about sharing my encounters because I met similar and alike people who had had encounters and who were previously clergy or existing clergy members. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of, you find people that you can relate to and you get a little bit more comfortable sharing your story. I mean, um, that was our guest last week, Mary Dees Hampton, the actor. She, she talked a lot about like the UFO sightings she's had and she's like, and I'm a Christian, you know, she was just like, most Christians will say, Hey, I can't believe that I've saw that, but I believe it. Like, and that was encouraging yeah. for some of our Christian listeners. So, and, and for, for me, you know, it was, it was aside from being in ministry, I was also in the military. Oh yeah, and, I forgot about that. Yeah. So in my younger life, we, I enlisted. At, uh, I was actually gone out of the house at eighteen, and wow. Um, and I was with the Air Force, and you can't just willy nilly go around talking about Bigfoot if you have a security clearance. Because <laughs> right. uh, can you be trusted with a firearm? Uh, <laughs> it, so, so I didn't. I wasn't really comfortable sharing it at that point. But now, like I said, uh, I've, I've become a lot more comfortable with sharing that um, my encounter and whatnot. So, essentially, uh, you know, I, I was. I love the woods. I'm an avid woodsman, and, and I love going out and uh, hunting and, and and various just things out in the woods. So, we had a an area on uh, private land 
that we had put some, uh, I, I guess, greens and um, some root vegetables. Mm-hmm. That was out there just as kind of like a food plot to, to bring in deer. And it was squirrel season still yet. So I was going up just to go check the plot to see if there was any kind of like rubs, any kind of digs and scrapes on the ground. To, yeah, to Act, activity in general. Yeah. And uh, just just to scope it out and see if this was going to be a, a, a you know place worth me going and spending a weekend or two to go hunt. And uh, it, it, mind you, it was just beyond my house. So it was, it was, you know, about two miles through the woods and and you were there. So um, it, to give you a layout of the land, it is uh, you guys being from Kentucky are kind of familiar with how the mountains just roll. Um, yeah. So I was at the base of, of one of the, the hills and there was a creek and then immediately another hill starts up the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this whole area on the other side had been timbered years previous. So everything that was there was like new growth, maybe like six to eight foot tall saplings was, was all that was really in the area. And so it's great, great, big, wide open, clear spots as well. So it was perfect to go hunt and you know just be able to sit in the brush on one hill and shoot over to the next it, because it's it's all less than 100 yards it's all within 100 yards where you know <laughs> it and it was perfect so um i'm going up and uh i'm just going to go check the area and see what's going on and as i come down uh i, I didn't want to drive the four-wheeler all the way in so I parked it at the top of the hill and walked my, myself down and got to where the, uh, the brush was that I had planned on, on hunting from. And I was just going to kind of sit there and watch for a little bit. So I walked in, and as I was walking in, I didn't notice anything. I wasn't really paying attention because I was focused more on, you know, not stepping on a copperhead or something of that nature. Amen. Go really warm. And uh, so I'm going in and I get in to get situated. And once I get down on the brush and really start scanning the area, that's when I notice something up on the about, you know, roughly 20 to 30 yards from the tree line. And there were three of these creatures. Wow. There was a big one, a less big one, and a little one. So we got mama bear, daddy bear, baby bear. <laughs> it's to being as speculative as possible. Yes, that, don't you know. eat their porridge. That's all, that's all I'm going to tell you, listeners you're out not, there. Do not eat the Sasquatch's porridge. You're not blonde, are you? <laughs> I can't tell you with 100 percent certainty that that was Bigfoot. Right. But I saw something, and I can't explain what it was, and that's that's where it started. So I see these three things, and I'm sitting. Uh, you know, in a position where I'm downwind, the wind is coming against my face. I don't smell anything weird from them. So again, this goes against the, you know, they emit like a skunky odor. I didn't smell anything. Right. And I'm able to watch these creatures for a couple minutes. This sighting took place for a good bit of time. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I saw it cross the road and, you know, there they were not. <laughs> right. 
I was actually able to observe these things and I watched the, the smaller one was just wild. I was just enamored with the little one more than anything because it, it ran around. It was just acting like a little kid, you know, it was excited to, to be, be able to play, I guess. And, and was just playing and I watched it. And then all of a sudden I felt the wind shift against me and I said, Oh crap. (laughs) Oh yeah. And, um, it wasn't maybe 15 seconds after that, that the biggest one stood up off of its haunches and, uh, just, it turned its head. I never got a full, full, real good view of any of them. One, I was too far away to be able to really make out facial details or anything of that nature. Yep. But there was enough, uh, I saw a profile of a face and it turned and smelled and then the little one stopped everything it was doing, ran up, grabbed the big one and all three of them walked off into the woods. <laughs> wow. And um, one of the things that, uh, the, the, the bigger ones, now mind you, we're sitting here talking about an alleged Bigfoot encounter and I'm saying that uh, it, it sounds goofy in my head, but like one of the more boring things that I watched him do was turning over a log and scratching at it. And, you know, it was just an old deadfall that was there and it was the bigger one was just scratching at it. And, you know, thinking back now, you know, it's probably digging for grubs. Cause that's it was exactly old, what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Grub. It was an old deadfall. So they they were foraging for food is what the bigger ones were doing. And the little one was playing, but I was so focused on the little one because it was just moving like so wild. And, um, and then they, they catch wind of me. There was no aggression. I didn't have a tree thrown at me. There was no vocalizations, no screams, no nothing. They just walked off into the woods. And as soon as I lost sight of them, I said, now it's time for me to get out of here. (laughs) Quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I made my way back up the game trails as quietly as I could, got on my four-wheeler, went home, and never went back. Wow. So, um, because I'm working on a a working theory here, Um, any caves in the area? Uh, This, not natural caves that I'm aware of. Um, but this whole area is coal field land. It's all, all mined property. Hmm. Um, so it's the same thing. And, uh, actually my encounter took place about five to six miles from where John's encounter took place. That's kind of going to be my next question. And, and wow. <laughs> yeah. And so th- like, and, and I know this, this is again, this is getting into huge speculation territory, but my mind cannot help but wonder, did I collect footprint casts from one of the ones that I got to observe? Yep. I, yeah. I was wondering that too. Years ago. Right. I mean, how crazy would that be? I know that there's never going to be any way that we could prove that these casts even came from a Bigfoot unless they pull a body somewhere. But it's just, it's fun to sit and think about that, you know, and I, yeah. and being, experience here I can't help but think about that and, and be fascinated by it. And my business partner Ron he laughs he's like oh no no it's don't don't, don't say it but I can't help it man you know it's well it's it, 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 it almost line up in time to possibly be the child exactly that's that's what I thought too it could possibly be the little one yeah and, especially with the way you said that the that there was less of a reaction a younger one may may have different experience right you know as right. it's gotten older and maybe more skittish maybe from hunters or things like that yep. over over time um one of the last follow-up questions i have is just simply you know 
do you think people should still go out to this park right i mean it's like there 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 is this possibility of danger and i, I you know i didn't really pay attention or notice that the park was mentioned at all um but it's like you know should we say hey if y'all are gonna go out there be careful um I personally, being being a woodsman, and I'm actually in uh, I'm in the Master Naturalist course myself right now. Um, and being a woodsman and someone who grew up in the woods, there is an immense amount of danger as soon as you leave the pavement anywhere you go. Sure. Yep. Um, you have just as much of a chance of a deadfall striking you. Uh, so much that they call those a widow maker. You know, like you'll be walking around a tree and if the tree is dead, like I know you've, you've been out in the woods at some point in your life and you saw a tree that was dead, no leaves mm-hmm. on it, but all the branches were there except for maybe a couple have broken and fallen. Right. You could walk under that tree and the wind blow and a branch fall and take you out right now. And you have just as much of a chance of that happening as, as getting bit by a venomous animal being attacked by some kind of predatory animal or just simply getting lost or falling and injuring yourself and, and not being able to get out. Yeah. That's um, why I don't go in the woods. Just work. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just scared of snakes. <laughs> I, go, I go camping in October. That's the only time. Yeah. But everything, I, I, I everything's that, sleeping. So I don't think that people need to be afraid of uh, going out into the woods and um, being hunted down by a Bigfoot. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't think that, that should be a legitimate fear. I think that people should be vigilant. Yes. I think, I think that people should uh, take record of what they encounter. Um, any kind of strange occurrence that could occur while you're out in the woods, you know, you never know what it could be. Yep. And then so, that leads me to say, it's like anybody out there, if you've had a sighting, the more and more that you report these things, the more and more that gives credence and it gives understanding and scientific evaluation to it. Yep. And, you know, it's like my big thank you to John for even having the balls to put this out there. It's like we now have uh, an investigation with evidence, with prints, with this, right. with that, that could lead to future better understanding of the phenomena that may or may not exist. So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so again, don't be afraid to go out in the woods. You might be the person that finds some new species out there. And, and I mean that from the sense of a salamander or a bug all the way up to a Sasquatch. (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, uh, Joe is there, uh, I want to thank you again for yeah. For thank you so much show. for sharing everything, man. Um, Appreciate it. You know, it's been fun. I enjoyed it. This is, uh, you know, to get to do what you do is is a pretty awesome thing. Uh, you know, Stefan and I have talked about it a couple of times about somehow getting involved with like MUFON or something to try to do some investigations or something like that because this is a really cool thing. But uh, but yeah, to get to go out there and really uh, a help people, uh, maybe help either set their mind at ease if, if it if you can uh, for lack of a better term debunk it right right i mean it helps john know he wasn't crazy right. even though he had a witness with him this helps him say oh my god what we saw was real not some That's mass hallucination well and, and also for people who it may not have been an actual sighting whatever the sighting was it also can help set their mind at ease that 
you know, they're safe to go wherever they need to go or whatever the case may be. So, so again, I, th- I thank you and I thank all everybody who goes out there and does investigations because it's definitely a, a, a public service, um, in my opinion. Um, so, is, so again, so thank you for, for coming on. Um, is there anything that you want to, you know, pass along to our listeners or how can they find you if they want to, if they live in the area and need to report something and what's your team to investigate? Uh, well, if you live in the area and you want to send in a report, you've got a few options. You can send the report directly to wildandweirdwv at gmail.com. You can go to our website, wildandweirdwv.com, and actually click on the report a sighting link, and it will send you straight to the SSR, and that can send us an email. You can send us messages on our Facebook pages. Um, we actually we have a community page that's called Wild and Weird West Virginia UFO and Paranormal Talk, and uh, that's a community page that anybody across the nation can get involved in. And we've had reportings sent in there as well. Um, or you can look me up on Facebook, uh, send us messages directly, anything like that. We've, we've created so many avenues for people to be able to reach us that if someone just makes even the weakest attempt at it, they'll be able to. Right, and we're going to pass your information along to Tori Smith and the Paranormal Help Desk. Her whole mission is connecting people all over the country to uh, investigators of cryptozoology and, and paranormal and UFO sightings. And that's her whole bag. And it, it's That'd be awesome. Great. Yeah, it's, she's always looking for resources in other states. And so we'll be passing that info to her. Uh, but Joe... Dude, thank you so much, man. I can't wait to have you back on and do a full episode just talking to you about all your other experiences, man. I'm so thankful you took the time to uh, share with us about this investigation. And uh, on behalf of John, like sharing his story, we really appreciate it. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, for me to sign off, everybody stay wild and weird. Yes. (laughs) All All right, man. Take it easy, man. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side, man. Yeah, man. So thank you, thank you, thank you to Joe Perdue and John Tinney. Thank you guys so, so much. I mean, that thank was you. just the, 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 the account is amazing. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the work that Joe did to ensure that, that, you know, we had the, you know, that he got the right evidence that he wasn't, um, you know, that he wasn't portraying things or, or, or doing anything to, to uh, to influence you know people's thoughts or decisions on the topic, um, you know I think it's just really really hard you know professionalism from Joe's perspective that you know that he that he uh, went out there and treated this really like um, almost like a crime scene if you will uh, yeah and did really, it immediately yeah, for that really, reason and yeah. we're gonna post that YouTube link of his investigation and all of that it's it's so very interesting and and of course make sure you're you're patroning uh, wild and weird West Virginia you know get on there buy some of that art get a t-shirt all that stuff or if you're out West Virginia way I mean it's just so much good stuff man I'm, I'm so excited and I'll tell you we got to have Joe on for getting spooky Definitely, <laughs> definitely going to have Joe. Ooh, just even talking to him outside of the interview. He he knows some stuff, man, and I, I'm very, very excited. But again, thank you, Joe, and thank you, John, so much for giving your time to our Blanket Huggers to share with them your incredible story as well as your investigation. We really, really appreciate it. 
Yep. Thanks, guys. Um, and yeah, hopefully uh, we'll follow up again sometime down the road to see if there's been any new Squatch watches. You know what I mean? See if there's any new yep. sightings. Because uh, I feel like if it happens once, it's going to happen again. So, exactly. John, sorry, sorry to tell you that. <laughs> I know it was frightening. Um, but yeah, anyways, we're going to get moving on here. I want to get into our listener story. Uh, this week, our uh, listener story comes from yet another person from Haunted History of Kentucky. Uh, this one is a very, very interesting story because he kind of almost went at it uh, with a scientific method so to speak and you'll you'll see what i mean uh but this is from uh eric haley and it is being portrayed by one of my very good friends and a very good friend of our show chris chavez who is the host of the youtube channel uh nerd news um some of his people have seen us he talked about us on his show we're always talking about him we love him to death he's out in seattle he's a really good friend um but yeah chris Chris Chavez, make sure to check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Chris Chavez NN, as in Nancy Nancy for Nerd News. And uh, you get all his updates on all the nerdiest of nerd stuff, rumors, all that good stuff. But Chris is also an actor and uh, he does a wonderful job here. So this is Eric Haley's story. Hello, my name is Eric Haley from Kentucky. And this is the first time that I have ever shared this in public. I've only told this story to one other person. I mean, it it isn't all that scary, but it's true. On my old house I lived in, three people had previously passed away in that house. Two of the three died in their sleep of old age, but the other was shot and murdered. Every night I could hear footsteps in the hallway. And I always felt I was being watched in certain areas of the house, but, but mainly in the hallway at the entrance to the hallway. In my bedroom, which was the first room by the entrance to the hallway, I always shut my closet door because I, I, I would just get that claustrophobic feeling and I would feel really like this bad sense of dread, like I was in danger. I never opened my closet door at night, you know, unless I absolutely had to, which luckily was not very often. The person I told was my best friend and he told me to turn on some type of older tech and if there was a ghost, it would mess with it. I didn't really believe, but, you know, I tried anyways. I had one of those huge CD players, you know, um, the ones from the late 90s. And I turned it on and I said something like, If there's something here, turn this on before I get back this evening. Well, when I got back that evening, it was turned on, which got me thinking, okay, there may have been, you know, a timer on it or something that turned it off. So the next morning I tested it again, but this time backwards. This time I left it on and I said, okay, this time I am asking you to turn it on by this evening. And it was on when I checked that evening. So by now I'm getting convinced. So I tried it again. And this time I said, I'm going to leave this plugged in, and I want you to unplug it. And that evening, it was unplugged. Okay, so so then I said, okay, this is the last test. I am leaving it unplugged again. I want you to plug it back in. That evening, I checked it, and it was plugged in. By then, I was genuinely scared. Because I was thinking, if it can do that, all of that, that means it could kill me or something. Another time I was on the computer in the same room. I had this 
eerie feeling and I saw something at the corner of my eye and so I looked down the hallway. Standing there was some old guy that I had never seen in my entire life. He was slowly walking down the hallway with an old style cane and slowly walked down and looked right at me. Through the entire experience, I could even hear his footsteps. I just sat there frozen, not knowing what to do. I waited what felt like forever to see if he was ever going to leave or if he was gone. I got up and I looked back and forth down the hall and never saw it again. Later, I asked my mom about the old guy who passed away in the house. She didn't know much about him, but always wanted to investigate to see if, you know, who I saw was a gentleman that passed away in the house. Well, hopefully one day I'll have an answer. But until then, I just keep staring down that hallway. So yeah, pretty interesting, man. Very, very, very interesting indeed. Well, I, you know, I've I've heard I've heard of like things, you know, turn it on and turn it off. Mm-hmm. But like to plug something, in, I mean, that's 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 like a whole nother level of. That's what I'm talking about. So I mean, he went real scientific on it, right? I mean, that's about the, as scientific as I would get. Um, but yeah, it's like I love that, and you know, there is something to be said about old analog type things. Um, you know, they say that. Uh, I don't know, paranormal things tend to work a little better through analog than digital. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know. There, there's definitely that old, I mean, it's like you, you trying to see EVPs or symbols through the yeah. snow on the TV and things like that. You can't do that with just a pixelated screen, right? right. Like it, 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 they don't pick up the digital. And I wonder if that's because that's all housed, right? It's all housed inside something as opposed to but I mean, analog signal, which comes in. But I mean, analog signal is one thing. Pl- like physically oh, taking oh, a plug and plugging it into a socket. I mean, that's that's complete. Like, <laughs> I just, I mean, that's just a whole. I mean, I, I, like, I, I feel like after that experiment, I would have left a pad of paper and a pen out and said, "Okay, write <laughs> your name down." You know, what write I mean? your name down and tell me where to find the gold. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Who knows? I, I'd love to follow up with that guy and see if there's uh, any more experiences on that. But yeah, thank you for sending that in to us, Eric, as well as uh, Chris. Thank you for being an amazing actor uh, and sending uh, your taking your time to do that for us. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that that puts us at the end of the show. Josh, uh, what an amazing ride <laughs> today has been. Um, get out there. Do your Squatch Watch, guys. Get out there. If you have any Squatch Watch, any Sasquatch, Yeti, Bigfoot sightings, let us know. We want to know. We're very, very interested in cryptozoology. Uh, not even just, you know, Sasquatch. If you've seen anything else, I mean, if you've seen a Flatwoods monster or if you've seen a goblin or, or yeah. anything along those lines, let us know. If you've um, seen somebody in Walmart that you think might be a goblin. And there's a few. You know, send them just, to us. Well, or ogres, we want to know or ogres, yeah, right? So no, but do send those stories. What paranormal, UFO, whatever. Send those stories to us at fearscapepodcast at gmail or find us on any of our social medias, which you can find us at Fearscape Pod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, as well as um, the other one. 
Facebook. Facebook, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can find us there as well as, or you can just find all this stuff on our, our, our webpage, which is www.fearscapepodcast.com. You can even get a link to our YouTube page, which is Fearscape Media. There you can see all of our Fearscape Unhinged episodes or any other weird thing that we decide to pop in there, trailers or whatnot. Uh, but there are two other great things on the website that Josh is going to tell you about. Yeah, so uh, we've got a, a, a great uh, sh- uh, store through Tee Public, uh, doing um, a great uh, uh, T-shirts. Uh, all of our designs that we have available for a T-shirt, you can also get on all kinds of other products like mugs or totes or pillows. Or and even you, Josh, you just designed a sweet shirt uh, for our uh, our official blanket huggers, so to yep. speak. Uh, make sure to check out that one. That one's great. <laughs> yeah. So on the website, you. Just click on the link for store and it takes you right there. Um, also on the website, you can get to our Patreon page. And so if you like the stuff that we bring you, you like the content we bring you um, and you want to, you know, maybe look at how to help us continue to do this, uh, please consider being a, a monthly uh, Patreon subscriber. And with that, you get some, you know, access to some things like a private Facebook group, you know, some live streams that are coming down the pipe um, as well as uh, for our higher tier uh, members, you can actually get a free T-shirt from the yeah, store as free well. Free T-shirt from our store. Uh, so many other things, and there and there will be um, you know Patreon only uh, things that we share with you guys, uh, as well as Anchor has its own sponsorship page as well. If you're interested in going that route, feel free. Um, but we are just so thankful for all of our blanket huggers out there for all the support that you guys have shown us, and uh, we are just so very excited. We have so much great stuff coming up this year. We're so pumped for you guys. Uh, but we are going to get out of here, Josh. Thank you so much. It is always a pleasure. Always. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's always like a... double mint gum, dude. It's just always a pleasure. Always well, a pleasure. we we could be in the commercial uh, twins or something, you know, like that woman. Um, I mean, you have twins, so that's true. You could, you know, use them and live vicariously through them. I mean, we could be like the Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger of twins. There I mean, you go. You never there know. You so go. exactly separated at birth or something. On that, I'm gonna stop you because now <laughs> I want to go watch the movie. Uh, but no, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to check back our archive and check out older episodes. They're all good, I promise. Uh, and on that, we're gonna get out of here. My name is Stefan Gearhart, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And hey, folks, make sure to hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you listen to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much (laughs) tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist but we know they do make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight next time on Fearscape (laughs) Ha 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 ha!